1: Welcome to System Mastery, the podcast where we beat a dead horse 1d6 damage at a time. Or, you know, sometimes the horse is still alive and we offer it a nice sugar cube and a brush down. Oh, in, in this metaphor, the horse is a game. I would never offer a real horse anything that wasn't a trap or embarrassing to the horse in some way because I hate horses. System Mastery hates horses. Today's episode is Strike, a game that is not about horses at all. So, what was any of this? everybody welcome back to system mastery the podcast where we review old role-playing games and i am jeff and my co-host john is right over here right next to me oh no yeah yeah it's too late Ah. you're stuck here now Ah. in the Ah. middle with me
0: (laughs) i'm gonna cut your (laughs) ear off
1: So uh before we get started, I just do I want to remind people, no one's paying us to do this and we didn't agree to anything, but that solo but not alone thing is still going strong and it's a really good cause. So I just want to remind people that it's out there and you should go and support it. Yep. It is
0: over a hundred games from ninety-five different creators. Mm-hmm. It is so many solo games that are absolutely I mean I assume some of them
1: great. I will never know. I don't really like... so. I'm more about the cause than the solo games. Oh, yeah. But I understand that other people love solo games.
0: Yep. Uh, as someone that has struggled with depression for all his life, mm-hmm. a charity that combines role-playing games and help for people with depression is great. I love it. It's up my alley, and I'm glad to see that it exists. It's still going... Uh, they've still got a ways to go before they hit their goal. They're at about 70% right now. Yeah. So if you go over to itch.io and look up solo but not alone, uh, you can find that and uh, support a good cause.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, we we want to see them hit that goal year after year and keep coming back with yet more exciting solo games to contribute to such a good cause. But, oh, so uh, Solo
0: But Not Alone 4. This is the, the fourth, fourth one. one. So, I mean, so, I'm not you know. going to
1: stop you if you want to buy the other three. I mean, obviously, <laughs> they are also full of exceptional games. Yeah. I don't know if you can still buy them or not. Yeah, that's
0: the thing. is I don't know yeah. if those are still around, but just this Solo, is solo but, but, but Not Alone not... 4 will be the one you're looking for.
1: Yeah, the fantastic fourth one. Uh-huh. Yep. So, the uh, fan-four-stick one. Uh-huh, that's what we call it. So, anyway, let's go ahead and get started. John, how you doing today?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I got soda in my mouth. (laughs) (laughs) That feeling when you have soda in mouth. Yeah,
0: that feeling when someone asks you a question mid-drink and you're like, well, Mm, mm, mm
1: -hmm. uh, mm."
0: Well, I got to establish as much as I can with the mmm noise. We
1: had to juggle our schedule around a little bit because of some flash flood warnings and stuff yesterday, but things were right back to normal today, so... Uh, a little peek behind the curtain on Tuesdays and Thursdays, John and I go to the gym together. Indeed. And, and we do our workout. So I already know how you're doing because I've seen you this morning already. Yeah, you already know how I'm doing. My knees hurt. Your knees hurt like <laughs> hell because you are valiantly trying on that leg press machine. Yep. Which I, I seem to be lucky. I have regular ass hinges for knees because I can push I way mean, more than I weigh on that thing.
0: You used to be in shape at one and point
1: and in I, your I, life. And I prob- I think I am again now. I think yeah. I might officially count. I have never been in shape. <laughs> you're getting there, dude. You're doing, you're
0: doing amazing. I mean, I'm probably just, in general, not lower weight than I've ever been, but probably better health than I've been for a long goddamn time.
1: Yeah, we've uh, we've experienced a bit of a sea change here at System Master, where the two of us were happy to go off into the good night as, as young, fat, dead guys. Just
0: ride that hot and ready Little Caesars off into the sunset.
1: Yeah, we, we seem to have made some some uh, individual decisions to do things, and, and, and it's been nice. Yeah, so I know you were doing well. That's good. Yeah, because you know Superman does good. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, and so and do so you. Do I. Yeah. <laughs> fuck Superman. We can all do good. I also fuck Superman.
0: <laughs>
1: good. I marry Superman. <laughs> Hi, I'm Lex Luthor. I'm the other one. <laughs> so, um, so we're talking about Strike today, a game that is actually we've used it before. So we can both safely say right here at the beginning that we both played it and we've run it. Yeah, this is a game. That we have done
0: uh, at a convention. Uh, We have written so much shit in Strike within the world of blimp leggers. Uh Uh, We created whole, like, custom reskins for a lot of the classes and things in here. So, this is a game that we are, you know, familiar with. Yeah. But also, I gotta say, going back and reading this, I have sort of forgotten the yeah. first hundred pages because this book uh, is at its core, generally, I would say when people think of Strike, it is as a sort of fourth edition D&D clone-esque of like, oh, we want to take the sort of tactical combat, the, you know, at will encounter all the, you know, the different things that fourth did well. Yeah. And then try and, you know, simplify and improve on that.
1: Yes. Yeah. So there's a 4E retro clone, and it's easy to, once you've... Because the way we used it when we were writing up uh, a bunch of Blimp Leggers material, which is still floating around, I, I've, I've gone back and contributed to it a bunch of times. We have a bunch of unique classes and species we built just for that game. Yep. Um, so one of these days, we'll get back around to fixing it up and just putting it out for fun. Oh. Um, but uh, w- when you spend a bunch of time working on the tactical side of it, it's easy to forget that that's actually just like the last... 40 pages or so of a 180-page book It's it is 200-page? Yeah, it's
0: a 200-page yeah. book, and the first 100 pages are
1: an entirely separate, different thing. Yeah, I mean, you can use both. The, the game is technically, like, four things. You've yeah, got I the, mean, the starting RPG, and then these two sort of optional, like, one of them is for uh, resolving group combats, and the other one's for doing chase scenes.
0: Yeah, all and of then, it oh, is go ahead. essentially a added together, because the beginning... Rules for it are like, this is baseline what you will use, even if you use the tactical stuff. You still have this for anything else. Mm-hmm. And then it just keeps adding more, you can also do this. And then a hundred pages of, and if you would like to make your game 40, you can also do this.
1: Yes. Yeah. So it's an interesting design. Uh, but yeah, I just wanted to lay it out there that we have both played this one a bunch and and uh, have some uh, partiality to it. In fact, I'm fairly certain, although this is ancient, like 2014, 2015 history, uh, that uh, that I actually contributed to this game in a very small way by oh. noticing a thing that didn't make any sense in one of the rules, pointing it out, and having it eroded later. Great. So that so that might a- I might have actually been a small like I, I'm not saying my name's in it or anything. That'd be crazy. But I, I was like, hey, this one power doesn't work right, and and the the author was like, yeah, you're right. I'll fix that. And, Great. The, and yeah, there, I will edit it. <laughs> and there you have it. <laughs> Pedantry man to the rescue. Ah. <laughs> so. Uh yeah, it, upon rereading it, it is. It, there's a lot of it at the beginning that is. It, it's like it's a mashup of fate. It's got like a whole first hundred pages is like this this kind of remix of how fate works. And then at the end, what if fate had four e for combat? Yeah, I mean it. It definitely feels
0: like a marriage of two things that are not at odds, but not exactly like close because you're right the be- The beginning of this the baseline rules for the game are very loose very fate adjacent as far as like you don't have specific skills you make up your skills. that's right yeah everyone has a complication which is like a character flaw and it only comes up if you want it to and you get an action point in this game instead of, you know, like a Benny or whatever in
1: fate. Yeah. So it's kind of an eternally changing hands amounts of like action points and concessions and advantages, uh, to sort of keep a narrative flow and the, in the weight of power going back and forth between the players and the, and the, and the GM running the game, uh, along with a hyper simplified dice mechanic system that is really easy to understand.
0: Yeah. Everything in this is just a base, 1d6 for everything. Uh-huh. You will never need more than 1d6 for most things
1: or two. Two for, if yeah. you've got
0: advantage or disadvantage and not both. Uh-huh. And that's it. So
1: upwards of two dice. Yeah. Now there the game is packed to the gills with modules and optional expansions and one of them is literally what if I'm a fan of PBTA? It's like, well, great, here. Perhaps you prefer a bell curve to a d6. Here is here is a mechanic by which you can roll 2d6 instead. And here is how advantage and disadvantage would work in that mechanic. But, I mean, that is literally like a one-paragraph optional module. towards. It's just an interesting little addition that they've got in here. Yeah. The baseline idea for it is you'll have, you know,
0: like I said, you'll make up your own skills. So you'll be like, all right, I've got, you know, rope use as a skill. Mm-hmm. Or I've got... You know, shooting a revolver if we're doing like cowboy stuff. I've got riding a horse. I've got rootin' and tootin'. <laughs> Two different
1: skills. Uh-huh. Well, yeah. You never need to root when you gotta toot. <laughs> oh, and yet sometimes you gotta toot when you need to root. I know. <laughs> it's a conundrum. Weird. <laughs> one of the old one of the many wits and wisdoms of the old West.
0: <laughs> uh, and when you go to do something you will either roll skilled or unskilled. You're Mm -hmm. rolling just again, a D six for both, but you have a one through six chart of, if you are skilled, then a six is a success and you get a bonus. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, four or five is just a regular success. Three is a success with a cost. Two is a twist. And one is a twist with a cost. Ooh, a twist. Ooh, what's a twist? A twist.
1: Yeah. Uh, the only difference there is he knows that there were two successes at four and five. If you're rolling unskilled, then there's one success and two twists.
0: Yeah, you change it around. You yeah. turn the uh, four into the success with a cost a- instead of three, and then three and two are twists. Yeah,
1: there is one other difference, which is that if you succeed on a six with uh, with an unskilled roll, you can choose to learn the skill. Yeah, so, which is the primary way to gain skills in this game.
0: Yeah, normally, you know, if you roll with a skill and you get the bonus, you might be like. Oh, I might get advantage later, or I might, you know, have someone come in and help us out. I might
1: narratively gain a bonus. Yeah, you get a bit of narrative control. There's all kinds of different levers you can twist and turn.
0: But uh, if you roll the six, you can, if you're unskilled, you can still decide, oh, I don't want to learn this skill. I'd rather have the bonus if you want to. But it is one of the only ways in the game to get more skills.
1: As far as I know, it's the only way
0: uh outside of i think coming into the game late if you make a like oh everyone's already level five and i make a level five they're like yeah you can just have some extra skills because we assume you should have
1: yeah that makes sense so that's the that's the core mechanic once you have that in mind you pretty much have everything you need to run the non-combat and if you want combat arm of this game because again the thing that's probably the most surprising, if you're like me and John in particular, who spent a long time mechanically playing around with the tactical module from this game, it's easy to forget that that stuff's all a module, an optional one. Yeah. Uh, th- this, this will resolve combat for you if you want.
0: Now, uh, just a thing for the difference between a twist and a cost. Oh, yes, yeah. Uh, the twist is essentially something narratively goes wrong with what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it doesn't necessarily mean you failed or you did something wrong. It could just be like, something comes out of nowhere, another person
1: shows up. Classic example, if you were successfully picked the lock, but it's really noisy.
0: You know, something where you're like, okay, a weird thing happens narratively.
1: Yes. Uh,
0: a cost is usually... Uh, mechanical rather than narrative.
1: Yes, you get a disadvantage, you get a, a condition, or a, 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 well, wounds are a condition, but... Yeah, you get it's a s- condition. Yeah, you, you gain a condition or a disadvantage on a roll going forward, that kind of thing.
0: Yeah. Uh, the conditions you can get, again, very, you know, sort of fate-like in the same way of you get a condition and it will affect things based around that condition. Mm-hmm. So if you get, say, the condition of angry then you have disadvantage on skill roles in social situations or tasks that would require, like, concentration because you are too angry to concentrate. Yes. Uh, and, you know, the game is, like, also angry is just sort of the general catch-all for a emotional condition. You can make that be, you know, yeah. afraid or sad or whatever. hmm But it's just one of the few things you can get winded or exhausted or lost your confidence whatever mostly it comes down to you have disadvantage in certain situations
1: yes you have disadvantage on these roles going forward uh and you can have a variety of them like for example you can have winded more than once but if you have at least three winded you become exhausted yeah you can each one of them has different resolution mechanics
0: you can get upgraded versions of all of those Mm -hmm. you can go from like angry to enraged yeah uh and then those are just in addition to disadvantage it is uh you have a minus one to all of your roles yes so if you're like uh angry you might have disadvantage on a roll. if you are enraged you are just straight up minus one to everything you do and major conditions stack yes so if i'm sick and injured, and enraged about it, I have minus three on all my rolls.
1: Uh-huh. You that's can't why get never... than a one, but, yeah. you know. And that's why Ziggy never succeeds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because he's sick. He's sick, and he's angry, sick and he's enraged about it. Yeah. <laughs> that smile is fake. That big, weird <laughs> smile on that little potato man.
0: Oh, that little potato man. Mm-hmm. God loves a potato man.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, so... So yeah, uh, each one of those different conditions also has different clearing mechanics if you want to get rid of it. So for example, anger can be resolved only by kind of talking to close people uh, uh, uh ones like like loved ones or counselors or just by taking enough time to sort of clear the condition and get it get you, get it out of your head.
0: Like if most you're... of those are like, "Oh, you have to either confront the thing that is giving you that or decide you aren't going to deal with it." So like in rage would be like I'm going to go fucking punch that guy I'm angry at. Yeah. Or I'm going to leave this place because I am so angry
1: at that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Where winded. You can resolve by just having a drink of water and a rest.
0: Yeah. Because like, winded would be, huh, geez, I'm winded. I'll rest for a little
1: bit. And exhausted is, I'm fucked up and I need like a night's sleep. I need, Yeah, a full night's sleep, that kind of thing. Yeah. So each one of these conditions has a different clearing mechanic. There are also other ones that you find more in the tactical side of things, like, you know, the obvious stuff, like blinded.
0: Oh, yeah. The the tactical side of this has pages of conditions Uh because they really took some of the things from 4th edition D&D and for some of the worse ones, kind of split them up. So I'll say this. We play uh, 4th edition D&D like once a month currently because we're just fucking around doing like the Tomb of Horrors. Uh Uh-huh. No spoilers, please. We had a fight. Where basically, all of the enemies had an aura that if you started near them, and they're ghosts that can just move wherever, so it doesn't matter, you are dazed. And it turns out, dazed has seven effects that it does, Uh and essentially turns off defenders. Yes. Like, hey, you can't do anything anymore. Your powers don't work. You can't mark your powers that you can't do reactions. You can't enforce anything because you can't do an immediate interrupt. Mm-hmm.
1: Like, you just lose the ability to be a character. Yeah. But, uh, you know, you were playing the Sword Mage. As the person who's playing the Invoker Druid hybrid, I was thrilled because <laughs> I was like, oh, no, the minor actions I don't use for anything. Oh, what, whatever. Well, other reactions I don't use for anything. What, oh, you mean I'll just layer down pa- uh, fire all over everybody every turn? Hooray. Yeah. But in. I couldn't move, but that didn't matter. In this game, it is much
0: more split up. So instead of being like, "Oh, we have days and it just fucks you in seven different ways, they're like, oh, we'll turn that into seven discrete things. yes. so you can be distracted and harried and all of these various things that are like, oh, this makes it so you can't do like opportunity attacks mm-hmm. And that's all that does. And this one makes it so that you know you can't do a reaction to a person. all right, great. this makes it so you have disadvantage on a roll. this makes it so you can't move. you're like, okay. Awesome. All of these different things are great little discrete powers, and gives you more
1: levers to pull. Yes. Uh, which more things to keep track of as well. But also, yes. yeah.
0: I was gonna say one of the bad things with forty really is a lot of the fiddly numbers. Yes. At least with this, there's less. You're like, there's not really numbers to fuck with. It's just conditionals.
1: Yeah. The number of things in this game that have been uh, simplified. When we get, I mean, when we get to the tactical module, you'll, we'll we'll talk about that a lot. Uh, it is the last thing, but we'll try and hustle to it because it's the thing with the most to talk about.
0: Yeah, I mean,
1: it's only half of this book. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, to create a character in this game, uh, I, I, again, as I mentioned earlier, when you're when you're playing this game in this this mode, you're mostly just saying things like, "I would like to do this," or "Let's get into a fight with those uh, gorks over there." Great, <laughs> roll roll your combat skill that's relevant and Fucking gorks. Uh, you can't trust the gorks, man. Bringing down the property values. <laughs> Nope. Uh, <laughs> so when you when you get in a fight with the Gorks you're going to roll whatever your fighting Gork skill relevant is and you're if you lose you're going to suffer a cost and so on. It's much 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 simpler. There is not a super complex combat mechanic when you're not using the tactical system or the group combat resolution module that's also here.
0: Yeah, the base skill system in this mostly assumes things will be done on a single roll. It's not like oh, you're going to have a combat and you're going to keep rolling things against them. You're like, no, th- we'll just see if we were to fight them, how would we do? Yeah. Like, roll how you're planning on doing that with whatever skill. See how that turns out for you.
1: Yeah, and now you've you've lost, so you've gained the conditions captured or dead or whatever it is you're going to be <laughs> throwing onto your character. Dang. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> pleased on blunts.
0: I do like one of the things in here where the... It has rules for, you know, obviously if you're doing an opposed roll, that doesn't quite work the same way as, you know, if you're just trying to look at the chart. So you're mostly just rolling to see who gets a higher, you know, D6 Mm roll. But I also appreciate, since skills are just, I say whatever the fuck my skill is, if you have a specific thing versus a general thing, then you will have... Advantage on it.
1: That's, tr- yeah, that's correct. So, so rewarding like, people for being specialists, uh, which is useful because the game wants you to be a specialist.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the, uh, advantage or the Edval- thing it gives is, oh, the example is two people playing chess. One of them has a skill in tactics. The other has chess. Yes. You're like, yeah, the person with chess is going to, they can both roll that skill, but the person that knows chess specifically is going to be better.
1: Yes. And, uh, they, they, uh, the, the advice, I keep saying they, but this book is written by one guy, uh, Jim McGarva. Um, so I, I want to bring this up that, uh, he makes it fairly clear that you should be very specific in what your skills do, uh, and not try to write those kind of skills where you're, well, what are your skills? Well, I have combat and survival in the wilderness and survival in general <laughs> and, and doing stuff. You don't want those kinds of skills, uh, because number one, they make the game not as interesting. And number two having specific skills is how you learn new skills. The only way to gain skills in this game is by rolling an unskilled skill roll and getting a six and learning that skill now. Yeah. So you don't want your skills to be hyper general, so you never get to to engage with the game's skill system.
0: Yeah. And you can have the, like, related skills as a thing, because I mentioned action points earlier. They are a, sort of the, like, fate points for this game. Yeah. But... If I'm doing something and I have a skill that could be related to it as well, then I can use an action point and get advantage now. Yeah. So, like, if I'm, again, the example of, like, I'm doing a joust, I'm like, all right, well, uh, normally I don't have jousting as a skill. I do have horseback riding. Uh huh. That's a related skill. I'll spend an action point to get advantage and nullify the disadvantage I would normally have. Or roll unskilled with advantage.
1: Yes. And if you roll with advantage on an unskilled roll, then it's harder to learn that skill to stop people from just always using advantage on unskilled rolls to try and pick up as many skills as they can. So if you roll advantage... Uh, which, which is two dice take the higher on an unskilled roll. You only learn the skill if you get a six five or a six six on your rolls. Yes. Uh, normally, if you're only rolling one die, you get the uh, the skill on any roll of a six. So you have a one in six chance where I believe the chance of rolling an eleven or twelve is like one in twenty five on two d six. Yeah,
0: I mean it's what two and it's two and thirty six. Yeah. Although I no, forget three thirty three and thirty six because six five and five yeah. six.
1: Yeah. Uh, so, so what is that? That's one in 12. Yeah. There you go. Hey, Hey, we did it. Math is fundamental.
0: Hey guys, we did it. We know how math works. Uh We got maths.
1: (laughs) We got that British multiple maths. And what do you know? uh, A one in six chance is roughly twice as good as a one in 12 chance. So, so yeah, it's uh, generally disadvised to just use advantage on, on unskilled roles to try and learn those skills. Yeah. So that's kind of a neat trick. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh, when you're building a character, you're going to be picking from a couple different categories when you're doing this section, where you're doing the uh, the non-tactical combat mechanic. The first one you're, th- you're picking is a background. Uh, background is j- more or less a list of skills that your character's going to have, and one weird trick they can do. And also, your wealth level, because yes. this
0: game also abstracts wealth out into a 0 through 3, mm-hmm. and then you just roll on... I'm trying to buy something, the chart. And, uh, if you have, I think it's more than two of whatever you are buying, you just buy it and you don't need to roll for
1: anything. Yeah, If you're too higher than the, the, the cost range of the thing you're trying to buy, you can just buy an infinite number of them.
0: Yeah. And And if it's lower then it's cheap, if it's the same cost as whatever your level is, you roll on the same level. And if it's one more, it's expensive. You cannot try to buy something that is two more than what you have unless you like team up. pool resources. Yeah,
1: you're allowed to team up. It's uh, it, not worth getting too deep into, but it is, it is a, a fairly functional system that seems to borrow at least a little bit from good old D20 Modern. Yeah. So there's a lot of influences here in the book. No, I mean... Or it's, perceived, I don't know. It's neat. I mean, it still has
0: the whole, like, you get costs or twists and things like that when yeah. you do it. But most of the time, the twist will just be oh, you bought a thing and it turns out it sucks a little bit in some way. So it's like, oh, I buy a car, it
1: turns out it's a lemon. And most of the levels of character design, like each time you're picking a new... Which
0: I really should have noticed it was a lemon, Yeah, I got it. There's not
1: even any wheels on it. Yeah, I mean, it's not even like a giant lemon with bugs living in it. that will take you on a magic seagull-powered adventure or anything. Yeah, Jeff and the
0: Giant Lemon, my favorite (laughs) book.
1: (laughs) Irma Gerd. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh... Man, I wish Roald Dahl wrote a book about me. I feel like he would cut me to the very quick.
0: (laughs) Uh, He is going to get to the heart of you. I
1: know. That sounds scary, honestly. It's like a curse that would happen. Roald Dahl will write you. Uh, uh, I don't want that. (laughs) No. No. Please, spirit. Can't I have Peter Travers review my life instead? It's a tour de force. (laughs) Oh, oh, three out of four stars. What a wonder. Uh. Okay. Uh, So, at each level, when you get to pick skills, you can always take one or two skills away from the, the your starting number to increase your wealth rank by by a, a point.
0: Yeah, the basically a background is you get six skills, mm-hmm. and for every skill less than six, you get a point of wealth.
1: Yes, and that happens as well in the origin category, which is the one after that. So there are a list of sample backgrounds you can choose from, and, a, and a, it, it's a broken down list, so you have a couple different ways you could do it. There's a generalist list. There's like, oh, these are ones from a fantasy world, or these are ones from... Uh, Or these are a set that are like team ups, like, oh, these are all different skills that are uh, uh, backgrounds that would work for people who live and work on a ship.
0: Yeah, because, you know, the writing in there is like, all right, here's a bunch of backgrounds. And then the sidebar of like, not even a sidebar, like a whole ass page of, okay, but if you were doing something where it was like, we're all running sailors on a boat, they're like, all right, well, instead of everyone picks the sailor background and has the exact same shit. Here's like, all right, what if you have sailor and marine and helmsman and gunner and ship's cook and just a shitload of things where you're like, yeah, people are probably mostly all going to have sailing as one of their skills, but then a ton of different ones based on what they actually do. And it was like, yeah, if you're playing a game that is very close as far as theming for what everyone is, mm-hmm. you can just make up a bunch of backgrounds that will at least go along with it.
1: Yeah. Oh wow! I just realized how smart this PDF is. the The entire uh, table of contents is clickable. Yay! You, you can follow through to anything you need to. That's cool. I didn't know about that. Um. So yeah, like an example, one would be let's do marine. Uh, they get the skills of climbing, personal weapons, close combat, first aid, and hard friends, which is actually a connection skill.
0: Yeah. Some of the skills that are parentheses connections are just, oh, you you know some people and you can roll that if you're like I'm trying to either convince them to do something or you can have them like show up at certain points and go oh i'm going to use my benefit to be like my hard friends show up Mm -hmm. here's my friends and they're hard
1: mike's hard (laughs) yes he
0: is
1: (laughs) and he's lie (laughs) made bring it back by the way oh no wait no i don't care if you bring it back or not i don't oh wait hold on i don't (sighs) drink that boo and they also get a trick. They're poor, by the way, because they had five listed skills, so they don't start penniless, they start poor. Yep. Uh, and they have a trick of boarding. A marine can always get on a ship, whether by scaling the anchor chain or swinging from a grapnel in the rigging. So that's just a thing they can always do. So you can see how easy it would be to make your own up. Just come up with a thing, come up with a set of, of six or less skills, and one neat trick that they can always accomplish because that's kind of the, the the core of their their uh, their being.
0: Yeah. And, you know... In the book, it's like, look, don't make your trick be, oh, I always succeed at a skill. Have it be a very specific one type of thing that you could do.
1: Yeah. Origin is kind of like what you are. It's where you would put things like I'm an elf, but it can also be things like I was raised in a specific type of magical academy or I'm a street urchin. Yeah. Uh, So it can be anything that's really just sort of what you were before all this began.
0: Yeah. So, you know, species, culture. Yeah. that type of thing.
1: It provides two more skills, each of which can be sacrificed if you wish for points of wealth, and a complication, which again is a one or two word description that can be used to gain action points by allowing it to be the reason you fail for th- you fail at things. Yeah. So things like alcoholic or uh y- you know, uh dedicated to a companion, to excess. Yeah.
0: So anything that would be oh, I can fail at doing something on purpose mm-hmm. and go, yeah, I'm going to use my complication for that. I'm going to get an action point for doing it, and that way I can have that for the future.
1: Yeah. They can even be packages of things. For example, you could just have regular vampire issues as your uh, as your complication. So, you know, it's got all those, like, have to be invited in and can't cross running water and all that crap.
0: But it is a complication only when the player says it. Yes. So... There are a lot of games that have, you know, like in uh, Fate or things like that where the GM can go like, I can offer you a Fate point if you do this thing based on like your complication. Yeah. Uh, In this game, it very specifically is like, no, this only comes up when the players want it to. The GM isn't allowed to be like, and then you fall down because you have clumsy. They're like, no, I didn't say I did that.
1: Yeah, it's it's something you spend to get action points. You say things like, it would be interesting in this situation if my failing was the thing that caused this, this problem to have gone awry. And in exchange, I get narrative currency for later. Exactly. So it's smart. So you can always avoid complications. Simply never keep the same address.
0: <laughs> Indeed. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh-huh. Uh then you've got gear. This section I found a little confusing because it doesn't just tell you like you, you do get the necessary gear relevant to your starting skills. Uh. But the whole gear section is all about like what about special gear that gives you a a, a benefit or or uh or uh, avoids a complication or or uh, pr- avoids disadvantage, that kind of thing. And it just says like you may have to ask your G- your GM or roll or something.
0: Yeah. If you're like, "Oh, there's no specific things I have for my my equipment can i start with Hrothnir, the sword that eats ghosts and it's like i don't know ask your gm Mm -hmm. maybe yeah if your dm's like yeah there's no ghosts in this game so sure (laughs) go for it yeah
1: (laughs) may i have deathbed the bed that eats people great i do have sleeping as a skill (laughs) yeah it eats you yeah Uh, Then relationships, which is just about how to have people who you know that are in the world. There's some neat mechanics to it. You can choose to know people or choose not to and have random people show up at certain times. You can roll to have help arrive, and on a 1 through 3, it's someone that you wanted. On a 4 through 6, it's someone the GM would prefer. Yeah, it's kind of a neat neat way to uh, handle that mechanic. It lets you get cool uh, narrative tricks into the game, like... Oh, gosh, I'm in in a real dire straits. And all of a sudden, my arch nemesis is the one who rescues me? Yeah. And they demand the holy artifact of Zerdul? (laughs) And I'm like, but it belongs in a museum. (laughs) And they're like, I am a museum. You hate museums. That's why I'm your nemesis. It's me, the walking museum. Uh Uh-huh. It's me, the British. (laughs) Uh, And then you've got kits. Ah, yes. Kits, which are... Confusing optional? at first. They're optional, but they f- they're they very tied into the tactical combat engine. I
0: mean, not
1: really. They're where feats come from. The tactical combat system has feats, and you get them at levels 3, 5, and 7, but the 3, 5, and 7 are levels of the kits. <laughs> well, I mean, you get a feat at level 1. 1, and, three, five, three, five, and 7. seven. And I think not 9, even though it's not level, but yeah.
0: Yeah. You don't need to have a kit in order to get a feat, because there is just feats you can get.
1: That's true. That is true. You could use a different leveling system, but the only tabled leveling system I found in this game was the kits. So my assumption is you're supposed to take them.
0: Yeah. I mean, it is strongly suggested in there. They're like, okay, you can just play the game with the loose, you know, skills and the system that's in place. Use the twists and the conditions and costs and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Go to town. Yeah. The kits give you a like bunch of stuff. I mean, basically the game is all about like constantly getting new things to slap onto your guy to be like, how do you interact with the world? Yeah. So, you know, like the first one in there is just the gunslinger. So you can, this game obviously is all about reskinning and making a thing. So it doesn't matter what it's called. You can have it do whatever you want that are the rules in whatever way you want it to. Yeah. Uh, but it's all, you know, you can challenge people, you can, you know, you're all about duels and action and shooting and being flashy and you're a gunslinger.
1: Yeah, so most of these the, uh, the, the kits you choose from will have a base ability that you have and then a list of advances. And every time you gain, I think it's even levels, you pick new advances from that list. Yeah. You also start with one, at least. So you usually start with your base ability and an advance. Some classes, I believe, including the gun... Or kit kits, excuse me. Including the gunslinger, just say pick an advance and also get a starting advance. So they, don't, they didn't think of it. They are well, just like, just two, choose two of these, that, and one of them is your starting ability.
0: Most of them are, you have your starting ability and you pick an advance. Yes. Uh, gunslinger,
1: some, I think, is just choose two.
0: Yeah, for the gunslinger, they're just like, eh, it's fine. You, we don't really
1: have a lot of... Like specific things that you should do. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's interesting. They they all feel very different. Like you know, some of them are similar, but when you make your jump from the gunslinger to the next one, which I think is the telepath or the the psychic or something, uh, it's much more about like costs and and uh, and what ha- everything's got. What happens if you roll this? What happens if you roll that? On each one of the advances you choose, where when you're looking at the gunslinger, it's just like trick shot. When you succeed at a trick spot shot, despite having a disadvantage, gain two action points but when you look at the psychic it's like false mind uh if you if you win by 1 or 2 pick 3 of these things if you if you tie pick 2 of these things if you lose by 1 or 2 pick 1 if you lose by 3 or more they read your mind and you're exhausted and and here's five things it could potentially do so they get more or less complicated based on the complexity ne- necessary for the kit i guess is all
0: yeah i mean certain ones definitely have a lot of nonsense going on the psychic in particular has a l- lot of powers that are like here's a shitload of like choices of mm-hmm. when you do a thing have this because like other ones again like the wayfarer is just oh you're someone who travels around a lot maybe you're a merchant maybe you're a sailor whatever it happens to be but it's like hey you start with you know you know a place to hide you've got a friend in a port you know how to get cheap room and board like that's your standard stuff and then you pick some things and all the advances are fairly simplistic of like hey if you know you go to a place you're not from but you fool someone despite not being a local Mm -hmm. then you get two action points you know doing things in there that are fairly simple but man that the psychic has a lot of four pages
1: gunslinger is like half of one yeah, it's it's wild the differences between them. Uh, after you go through all of, the, there's a couple more things they provide. I should get into that. Uh, some of them will provide a feat, which is directly connected to the combat system. Uh, well, they'll they don't just,
0: provide a feat; they, they suggest, they suggest a one. Feat.
1: They come with their own unique feat that you could. If you're a gunslinger, for example, there's a feat that's attached to gunslinger that you could choose if you want to when you're when you're getting feats for your ga- your uh, your character. They suggest steady hands. The feat just uh lets you get a dis- or ignore disadvantage for, uh, for being wounded or exhausted when you are fighting in in a uh, tactical combat. This feat does not is not in the regular feat list. It's only here. It's a special feat that they wrote up for gunslinger. Mm-hmm. So, some of them do that, other ones do not because they aren't necessarily about combat. Yep. There's a lot of these and then there are also you can uh poach advances from some from uh from kits that you are not currently in. Well, they have like the specific ones where it's like, "Oh, I'm the scholar or the
0: psychic or whatever," mm-hmm. and then they have some very generic ones that they were like, "The mini oh, kits." Here's it doesn't have a base power. It's just like, "Oh, you can nab some advances from these to just sort of fill out if you don't want one from your bit like base kit." Oh
1: yeah, yeah. The general advances, yes.
0: Uh, and then they have the general advances, adv- advances which are different, which aren't to any kit. Yeah. And are just like, hey, here's just very generic things you can get.
1: Yeah, yeah. So there's there's uh, mini kits, there's full size kits, there's generic advances, and there is also a mechanic by which you can say things like, well, I'm leveling as a gunslinger, but I would really like the famous uh, advantage from the face instead, or which is technically a mini kit, so you could always take that. But you could take one from the the seer or whatever as well provided you you don't take a lot of them from one other kit. I mean, you might as well be playing that kit then. Yeah. So they just let you kind of pick and choose to build your character. I mean, there's no reason not to do that, because there's also nothing stopping you from just making your own kit. Yes. You, the, the mechanics of them are fairly easy. You just need to pick the advantages you would like. You don't need to write up a full list of 20. You're only ever going to gain four or five of these advances anyway, so just write the ones you want.
0: I mean, that one is much more complicated. It is, yeah. And re- would require a lot more vetting, because... With a skill of just going like, hey, I know generically what skills are in various systems. I know how specific or generic uh, we should be. That's fine. It's like two words. But having a full power, especially when you look at a lot of the advances that are like, when you are in this situation, you'll roll a die. And then when that die comes up, you get these specific advantages, depending on, you're like, yeah, you should probably just take something from the kit list Mm -hmm. and just, Use that.
1: Yeah. Uh, Okay, so that's how you build kits. There are only a couple other things I think you need to pick there. One of them is, like, motivations, which is kind of like, you know, you you know how a lot of games move away from alignment into allegiances where they say things like, this is what you're all about. This is the goal you're trying to accomplish. That's what that is. Yeah. Then there are two sections that I I believe we will more or less breeze over. (laughs) Uh, One of them is combat resolution for group combat. Uh, which is all about choosing what each character will do, and you can use it to describe either the, the effects of a single, you know, melee, like an actual combat, or just things like we are trying to get across these mountains, and this local gork tribe is trying to trying to stop us, and uh, what are we all going to do?
0: Yeah, I mean it's it is less combat and more team conflict.
1: Yes, it's team conflict. Thank you.
0: Uh, and the whole deal of it is like okay. Choose the intent that you want to do. What do you plan to get out of this conflict? Yeah. Because that's, even in the tactical combat, they're like, go in saying, the, what is the intent of this? Why are you fighting? And don't just fight because you're like, because they're goblins and we fight.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, unless you're like Goku, I feel like that. The, <laughs> Why I, are I you fighting? That,
0: in order to get a better understanding of myself and my opponent. <laughs> <laughs> because we should fight. <laughs> Because fighting is fun and rad, and I am cool and love it.
1: <laughs> I mean, ultimately, I don't think the book needs a parenthetical that says unless you're Goku after every time it tells you to do that, but it wouldn't hurt. No, man, Goku has a reason for fighting.
0: Uh-huh. There's fighting always rad. an intent
1: yeah. for that. <laughs> because he'd like to fight. He must become stronger. Uh-huh. And the only way to do that is through fighting. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, It's especially
0: important, really, in, like, this, the sort of uh, conflict resolution one without the tactical stuff because it is it basically a big mini game yeah. that ends up being like oh if you win you'll get the thing that was your intent
1: yes so basically it it really really abstracts a montage of sequences of events and then has you roll one die at the end and add it to all the various bonuses you got from each one of the things you tried. So you're like, well, we're taking preliminary actions. I'm going to scout. I'm going to gather. I'm going to investigate. Uh, you get various amounts of pluses to your advance and your defense. Uh, the the uh, GM is going to set difficulties for the opponent that usually are just set at literally one less than yours at both advance and defense. Well,
0: here's the thing. You don't roll shit as... To add to your advance or defense, you just pick actions to
1: do. Oh, so that so you don't get to roll a D6 at the end of no. all this. They do. Okay. Yeah. The Which GM has... Really randomizes all this, doesn't number it? Number of
0: players minus one plus a D6. Yeah. And then all of the players pick an action that will give you between a plus one to a plus three to either advance or defense. Mm-hmm. Advance being the accomplish your goal defense, stop them from accomplishing their goal. Yeah. You have to get more than the other team in both, you know, comparing advance to defense in both sides Yep. in order to win. Yeah. If you have less in both, you lose. And if
1: any other result happens, it is a push. And God, it sucks. I know. I'm not a big fan. I mean, I, I, I don't hate it. It's a functional system. To me, it's way too abstracted. Like, this is just personal detail. I, this level of abstraction of like, oh, I'm going to, Describe the thing I'm doing in one sentence, and, and boil it down to I get plus two A and minus one D. And I'm like, eh, I don't, I, I, I would rather play through this stuff a little more. That's just, but that's just on a personal level. Um, but yeah, the fact that effectively the rules for it are piegal is not my because f- pushes are too common and they're not is interesting. And the the problem I have with it is as well the fact that it's like,
0: oh, if anything, like remotely doesn't succeed without being a full fail or win you're like all right well we keep doing this but you're taking a hit yeah basically every time this happens
1: ebay motors is here for the ride with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly brake kits led headlights bumpers whatever your baby needs ebay motors has it and with ebay guaranteed fit It's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at eBayMotors.com. Eligible items only; exclusions apply.
0: And you're losing access to things.
1: You take strikes. Yeah, it's also fairly. We'll give
0: you conditions at the end of this. It's pretty
1: spirally. Like if the first roll during your action, you're like, or if you're like, well, I'm going to try to gather materials. You utterly fail. And then the next player is like, well, now we're not going to be able to surmount the obstacle. Like, there's, there's maybe we will if everyone going forward from here rolls an insane amount really well and we happen to get super lucky and the enemy rolls a one, we might succeed. Well,
0: the big thing is if you go like, oh, I'm going to try and stock up. Yeah. And that's a before the action happens, you're like, I'm going to try and do that. And if you get a three through a six, then you could get like, oh, I'm going to get a plus one or whatever. Yeah. If you get a one or a two, you're minus one advance, so you might go, well, we suck at advance, let's double down on doing defense this round to stop them, Yeah. because you're almost always, if you fuck up on one of the two things, yeah. go hard in the other, make sure you push, and then go back again.
1: Yeah, I'm, I, I just, given how functional the, ta- the tactical combat system is and how easy it is to do other non-montage-based skill resolutions with the first half of this book, I don't personally see myself wanting to use this. It also, so
0: there are a bunch of traits that the, like, opposing side could have. Yeah. And a lot of them kind of suck. You can get rid of traits by, you know, when you do a push and you inflict a hit, you can get rid of a trait. Yeah. But outside of the ones that are invulnerability, where it's, you can't lose while you have this, so you have to push in order to actually win. Yeah. It also feels like, Oh, if we start out like, all right, we do some stuff, and then the DM rolls a one and a one, you go, all right, well, you win. Uh, there is no montage, you just immediately do whatever the fuck you wanted. <laughs> you're like, all right, and it's set up, and we're going to go on a long, months-long journey, and we got to get through the, the mountains of chaos and the plains of death, and you're like, well, I rolled two ones, and you do, you get there, and it's great.
1: Yeah, like, notably, one of the skills you can do is, or the uh, actions you can take during the montage is scout, and you can choose to scout, attack, or, or advance, or defend, to see What What they roll. roll. What they roll. You can get the the DM to roll early and publicly so you can see what it is and know how much you have to get to surmount it.
0: Yeah, because if they're like, oh, I rolled a six, and you're like, all right, well, fuck trying to do whatever that roll was for.
1: Yeah, so. Anyway, the other one is a chase system. It's, uh, It's fairly straightforward and simple. I do not dislike it, which is a... It makes it sound like damning with faint praise, but let's be realistic. This is like episode 280 or something like that, and I have yet to like a chase system.
0: No. Anytime there is a vehicle system in a game, I am almost always going to go, yeah, I don't give a fuck about it's this. It's way too complicated. No one's going to use this. No one's
1: going to use it, especially because it's so rare when you do those chase scenes or gunfights between cars in, in, in a combat in an RPG where either resolution of they get away or they don't have equal interest and in interesting stories behind them. Most of the time, you're just rolling until you catch them, or the DM just goes, they're going to arbitrarily get away, so none of this actually matters. Like, those are your two outcomes, and that's the only way to do it. For me, the best way to resolve a chase system is to say, for some reason, these cars have platforms on top of them, and you're recreating the sewer surfing scene from TMNT Turtles in Time, because that's kind of neat. At least you got a cool background in pizza aliens.
0: Everybody loves pizza aliens.
1: And that's got one of the best songs from that game in it, and that game has banger tracks anyway. (laughs) But yeah, the
0: chase mechanic is essentially a bluffing like double blind pick a action each of them like so the people who are trying to run away pick an action they're going to do the people who are chasing pick what they think the people running away are going to do Mm -hmm. and then you both reveal at the same time and if the people chasing picked correctly on what you were going to do They have advantage on a roll to try and get you. Mm -hmm. Uh, If they fucked up, they have disadvantage on the roll. And depending on what you pick versus what they did, it might just be nothing. If you're like, oh, I assume that they're going to try and double back, and instead they hide, there's nothing. It doesn't matter.
1: Yeah. So it's uh, it's fairly straightforward and simple, and it does do a good job of reminding you that this game uses a very abstracted system for the first half of its si- of its setup, where, yeah, sure, the enemy getting away is just a complication. It's not like it actually puts a hard kink into the story that causes problems for later. And if you're interested in our hard kinks, check out Relationship Mastery, where John will eventually be a guest. I never will. I know I've never won. been invited, and I never will be. Well, here's the problem. For... How long have we been doing this? How long have you and I been doing this show? Like 11 years? Well, a little over 10. A little over 10 years. And how often have I said some heinous bullshit about myself? Some some revealed secret that's, that would mil- make your, bu- your uh, balls curdle? And then you go, huh, that's neat. I never do anything like that. I never will. Huh? <laughs> that's weird. You're fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> Look, all I want. Is to be
0: on a show where that's the whole show.
1: You never you <laughs> Yeah, so you can come on Relationship Mastery once as a joke because you're gonna sit there and be like, Huh, you guys sure are revealing about yourselves. Not me though. Huh.
0: That's odd. You know what I like? Penis and vagina. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's my kink. I'm real weird about it. And on Thursdays, if possible. <laughs> and if not, then I'll wait for another the- Thursday. No, thank you. <laughs> uh, uh, that's why. That's why. Okay, so um, also, I was trying really hard to get Claire on the in- some kind of show, and look, I succeeded. I did it. You did it. Yeah. Uh, okay. Let's get into the uh, the tactical combat. That's the part that the people the people are here for. And we're already at like we're already like fifty minutes in. Eh. That's the part that the feebles are here for. So if you're ready to meet the feebles, I see you getting ready to seize on me, saying "fuh."
0: I know. <laughs> hey, I was
1: gonna let it go, <laughs> but these feebles, they gotta know. <laughs> these feebles try to phase me. <laughs> Ugh. all right. Uh the tactical combat system is really neat. Uh it's not that it's getting more common nowadays between things like the MCDM RPG that's currently kickstarting or finished kickstarting, I forget where it's at. Uh Oh, ah,
0: the McDam.
1: Yeah, the uh there's uh, Gubot Bonwa uh, Lancer. There's a few other games out there that are inspired by 4th edition D&D's tactical combat engine. Yeah. Uh this is an early one. Like I'm sure there are ones from before this, but I don't know about them personally. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Uh, And it does, for my money, a very good job of stripping out all the junk that makes 4E too complicated. Yeah. Uh, It's it's impressive. It makes everything do... You
0: don't have randomized damage anymore. Nope. All the powers do specific damage, mm-hmm. usually two or three, depending on if they are an at-will or an encounter.
1: And in the same, by the same token, accuracy is bonded to that D6 engine we told you about earlier. You have advantage and disadvantage, or just roll a D6 against that exact same chart we told you about earlier, because this game doesn't use weapons and gear of any kind, really. That stuff's extraneous. A basic attack does two damage. Yeah. And the, the D6 chart
0: ends up being if you have a six it's critical you get whatever the effect of the attack was and double the damage Mm -hmm. Uh, four or five you get the damage and the effect on a three you do a glancing hit and you can choose to either deal damage or do the effect because basically every power outside of a basic attack has a damage which is you know two or three depending on at will or encounter generally Uh uh-huh and then an effect that it does. So it might be like, oh, this restrains someone. Or you heal too is the effect. And so with a glancing, you'd be like, well, do I want to like deal the damage to this person? Or is it more important to me to like give some healing out or give advantage to someone for something else?
1: Yeah. Uh, You also, everyone has... Well, there are a couple of exceptions that you'll see about among the various classes in the game, but for the most part, everyone has 10 hit points and a move of 6.
0: Also, the other two numbers on the D6, uh, the 2 oh, is sorry. a miss, and uh, you get a miss token, which is a baseline thing in this, uh-huh. Uh huh. and 1 is a miss token, and you gain a strike. Yes. Uh, the miss tokens you can spend on your turn to bump up your roll by 1.
1: Yeah. Strikes, by the way, are concessions that you make at the end of combat you count up the number of strikes you have and then based on that you uh i think you roll on on the number of strikes you have and you have to give up certain things you you can gain conditions or lose things that you were trying to gain by by uh, participating in the battle in the first place
0: yeah and you cannot use a miss token on a 1 mm-hmm. you'll still gain your miss token on it but if you roll a 1 you can't be like i'm going to bump that up and not take the strike you'll always take a strike on a 1
1: yeah if there's one thing about this game, I found a little troublesome in the writing. For the most part, I really appreciate the advice. It's written in very chummy first person, so there's a lot of "I do this" or "I prefer to do things this way" as the writing style. But the thing that the one thing I occasionally see is things like uh, "If someone rolls a one on this, that's a serious issue. Don't let them get away with not doing the thing that you have to do." And you're like, "Don't let them get away with it. It's a one in six chance that that was going to happen. It's not their fault. Hmm. That's not a, that's a weird way to phrase that." Yeah, you can you can spend
0: the miss token on a one by the way. You still take the strike.
1: Though. Yes, yeah. You can just convert it up if you want to still get to a hit or something like that. Yeah. You can have as many as I think 3 miss tokens banked. Mhm. Which means you, you can't just keep missing all the fight and then go like, "I right, turn that one into a crit." <laughs> you can only turn 3s into crits. Ah. Oh. Now, uh, classes, because this game is super nebulous in terms of its story structure, there is not one. It's basically a a universal engine. The classes, instead of being things like fighter and cleric and so on that do have a story to them, instead dictate what kind of things they do on the battlefield.
0: Yeah, now they do have names that would lead you to be like, oh, that's what this is. So like the first class in there is necromancer and you go, oh, okay, you're a necromancer. And they're like, no, you could be whatever the fuck you want. Yeah, this is just the sort of general vibe of this is you have things that you are dealing with that are like i make little minions
1: i cause fear you interact with corpses on the battlefield things happen when things die on uh for you you yeah and like you said you cause fear you inflict weakness all the things you'd associate a necromancer with doing but there's nothing stopping you from saying like oh i'm actually a shadow run decker and when when uh things go down, I grab their code and, and, and fling it out and create problems that way. Or I inflict black ice on people that causes problems for, the, for, the, for their hardware. Exactly. So it's all very, very reskinnable. Uh, the one thing is that does want you, in some some of the classes, and I believe this is one of them, they're like, hey, if you're going to reskin this, it has to reskin to something that makes sense. Yeah. Like notably, notably, when you're making a necromancer, you pick what happens when you kill something. Yep. You can either leech life from it Raise it as a zombie or ghoul or something, or uh, use it to scare away stuff. Exactly, and the th- you have to choose what it scares away, and it's like, hey, when you if you're playing this and it's not just a necromancer, you have to choose what it scares away, and you still have to be fairly specific, just like we are when we make a necromancer in the first place.
0: Oh yeah, I mean, given that one of the base powers you get is just command to undead, you automatically get it, and
1: that's the one. Yeah, you can
0: try and like, oh, I'm gonna pick something that is undead. And dominate it and try and do that. They're like, if you reskin this, do it specifically because that way, if you're like, oh, if you choose to make this instead of a necromancer, I'm a telepath. And so I'm making people afraid with my telepathic powers. They're like, yeah, you can only do like telepathic thralls. Mm -hmm. Like, don't, you can't just go, well, I'm a telepath. So I'll dominate anyone.
1: Yeah, you can't do that. You have to be like, well, you're not just a telepath. You're like the queen bee of a high school telepath, and your ability is to dominate nerds. Ah. Hey, you, go do nerd stuff. I'm like, yeah, okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Flavin'. Yeah, exactly. You can dominate Jerry's Lewis. <laughs> oh, no, my Lewis. It works, on Jerry, it works on Jerry's Lewis's, and also that one guy from, like, Brooklyn Gorilla. Because <laughs> he's basically a Jerry Lewis, uh, just a worse one. A shitty Jerry Lewis. Uh, But each one of the classes basically fulfills sort of a, a role that you would understand in terms of how they affect the battlefield. And this this opens up the, the uh, floodgates to some really neat classes, because sure, you get some basic ones, like the archer, which mostly does range stuff. Yeah. Uh, You get trick arrows or the ability to uh, nominate zones and say, like, if anyone comes, I'm covering that zone. So if anyone passes adjacent to it, they take damage.
0: Yeah. And you get, you know... The ability to be like, oh, my ranged attacks are longer than normal. Because normally a ranged attack is five squares, Mm -hmm. I'm at ten.
1: Yes. Uh, Or the bombardier, which I think is one of the more fascinating ones, where you just, everything you do is an AoE, and you choose what kind, and you create... You're just throwing bombs. You're throwing bombs. And you can straight up throw Bomberman bombs. They can be crosses, or rings, or cones, or circles, your choice. Oh, yeah, I mean, one of the base at-wills is Bomberman. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of the uh, the base powers you can choose. It's you, when you move, you choose two points along your move to drop bombs, and when you finish your move, they go off and they create Bomberman space uh, things. They don't have to be the exact crosses that Bomberman normally creates. They could be like rings or whatever. But you basically run along, drop two bombs, and then detonate them just like Bomberman does. Yep, just and, like Bomberman. It's a tricky uh, class to play because again, it's not target smart. It, it's oh no, you have to you have to carefully arrange it so you're not hitting people. Friendly fire is on. Yeah, so. But there's also friendly bombs. You can drop things like invigoration patches, which will give people healing or extra movement. Yeah, throw a healing bomb on someone. And then you got to be careful, because those are also not target smart. So your enemies can wander into them and get free attacks and movement and stuff. Ah. So that's a, that's a neat thing, where you would not normally see that outside of the roll functionality uh, in 4th in edition. There's also the Harrier, which is the uh, the single target. Per- they they want to pick a target and bring them down. Uh, then there's some really fun ones, like the Buddy where you, you have a pet that is another character that you're controlling, and uh, they you both have less HP to start with, but a total of, I think, 13, as opposed to everyone else's 10, between yep. the two of you, and you can repair your buddy, and you can do attacks that, that do things based on where your buddy is. It's a lot like playing a Beastmaster Ranger or a Shaman in 4th Edition, but a lot more robust.
0: Yeah, there's well, there's more of a focus on your buddy being the main thing, because in the 13 hit points... Your buddy has eight, you have five.
1: Oh, you, that's an option. Uh, normally, yes, your buddy you has five. you have the super buddy. And, yeah, the super buddy is your buddy has eight and you have five. You can also start with you have five and your buddy... You can do it either way.
0: Yeah. But its it's one of the things where I'm like, if you really want to go like, no, my whole deal is like, oh, I'm... I'm a weak little shitty idiot and I've got a badass that goes and fights for me. Yeah. If, if I want to be fucking like master blaster and I'm just like, oh, I'm on this dude's shoulders yeah. and he beats the shit out of you, great.
1: Yeah, I mean, granted, uh, knowing what I know about, about Strike, there's actually a class that would be perfect for that specifically, <laughs> but it's an optional class that was sold separately. Um, but yeah, if you want to play like a little boy who's, dr- you know, like Little Nemo in Dreamland, you're like, oh, I'm walking around and I'm asleep, but also I have a giant fang tooth teddy bear that is my friend. Yeah, that you can play that. That's a perfect thing for the buddy. Uh, The angel summoner, based on the fact that half this book is fun jokes, uh, which is just sort of I summon stuff all over the battlefield. And if it dies, I take strikes for that.
0: Yeah, it has different types of summons. You're like, oh, I can do elemental summons or spirit summons or mm -hmm. fey
1: summons. But each one of them is really interacting with a mechanic of the fourth edition style tactical thing. So, for example, uh, a martial artist in this game is all about entering stances. Yeah. And a shapeshifter is all about choosing a new set of outwill and encounter powers whenever you rally, which is the closest thing this game has to second wind. You spend an action point as a free action to regain some HP and maybe unlock an encounter power or something like that.
0: Yeah, it's, it's interesting to me that the martial artist and shape changer have sort of a similar idea behind them in that the martial artist is like, oh, I go into stances and depending on what stance I'm in, I have different riders, essentially, to all my powers. Yeah. So, like, if I'm in the Viper or whatever, I might have, like, the ability to just grab stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah, or Form of the Flickering Flame lets you get uh, uh, shifts attached to your movements uh, or replace your move action with bigger shifts or attach shifts to your hits.
0: And, you know, if you're the Weeping Willow, you can slide targets and you have reach because you're all big and huge. Yeah. But the Shape Changer... I was like, oh, well, how's that going to work with the shape changer? The shape changer is much less like, oh, I I change shape constantly during the fight. You're like, oh, no, you go into a form and you are in that form. The martial artist can be like every round I can pick new stances to be in of the ones I know. Yeah. And And shape changer is much more like I pick one and I do that until I rally.
1: Yeah. And in fact, if you're a shape changer, you can choose two ways to play it. You can either say things like, oh, I, I change shape based on the situation, so I know several of them, or I'm a werewolf. And my deal is I go into wolf form and I can do it more than once during a fight and I can get bigger as a werewolf or get better werewolf powers, but I'm a single form shape changer. Yeah. So there's a couple ways to do that. Now you may notice... We're leaving a few out here, like, I don't know, Magician. Yeah, there's a um, there's there's lot of stuff them. in there. We don't really have time to go over all of them. Just just be aware that they're all pretty cool. Yeah. You may notice that as we're making our way through, we have not gone into the other aspects of what makes a 4th edition character class work. One of them is Power Source, which never really mattered in 4th no. edition all that much. It was just a useful metric. It was mostly a way to gate certain feats and abilities
0: to be like oh well this is only for these types of people
1: paragon paths and epic destinies and stuff like that would sometimes uh, gate off of those uh the other one is role so you know a fighter is a defender and and a wizard is a controller and so on and in this game this is probably for my money i think is the smartest decision i saw here and the thing that enamored me of this game really early on you choose it separately yeah there are five of them instead of four and you choose them separately, so any one of these classes can be any one of the base roles that you remember from 4th Edition, plus, plus Blaster, which is all about dealing AoE damage. Yeah. Uh, and, and say things like, well, I'm going to be making a Necromancer, but my Necromancer is a Controlling Necromancer, as opposed to yours, which is a Striker Necromancer.
0: Yeah, and the it's interesting because there are certain things, like you look at some of the classes and you go... Well, obviously, I feel like I should do certain roles where, you know, you look at a warlord and you go, well, obviously, I'm a warlord. I My baseline powers are already helping people. I could just lean into that, go leader and be like, yeah, I'm a standard, always about other people warlord. But you can just be like, no, nah, man, I'm a warlord that, yeah, my base class abilities do help out other people and I can make people hit other people. But also I'm a striker because I will beat the shit out of you.
1: Warlord of this game, by the way, if you're used to 4th edition Warlord, which is like a, a frontline skirmisher that mostly calls out advance, or sometimes they have bows, whatever. But mostly they call out commands to other players. In this game, you can make a Warlord out of any other class by just saying I took the leader archetype, so I order people around from time to time. Uh, the Warlord, rather, is the joke from 4th edition of, oh, my Warlord literally doesn't do anything. Um, it's the Lazy Lord. Hmm. Like that's the, that's the concept behind it is every move I have is at most I bump into you. And when you go reeling backwards, you land right next to one of my opponents who beats the shit out of you. Or I say, that guy, and everyone gets you.
0: I mean, you don't have to. You can also be like, oh, I'll take the powers that are like, knock it off balance. Yeah, you can. And like, I'll enumerate your weakness, and I'll just make fun of how bad
1: you yeah, are. Yeah, you, you bonk them, and you say like, there, that's the spot where you're weak. And other people get bonuses to hit you yeah. there. But like, the first paragraph of the description is like, hey, this is the lazy lord. That's the joke here. Mm. Which is kind of a neat thing. Uh, but you choose a role, and in this game, the action economy for uh, your turn is you get a move you get an action, and you get a roll action.
0: Yeah, you get an attack and a, a, roll, and a roll
1: action. So roll actions are different. They don't trigger opportunities. Uh, and you can only use your, your roll actions as, as the thing when you do them. But they're all fairly straightforward. So like, if you're playing as a controller, your roll action, just baseline, is pick a target within five, weaken them. They yeah. do half damage. Fuck that guy. Yeah. Um, if you're a striker, your roll action is you do extra damage. You can shift a square or be like,
0: hey, that guy, I'm going to ignore your cover or whatever.
1: Yeah. They all also have a triggered action. This is when a event trigger goes off, then you can spend an action point and have the effect that the trigger action says happen. So, for example, I remember controller mostly because I just built one a minute ago. So controller action is uh, when someone moves, you can spend an action point and put them right back where they were and then say, oh, and you also spent your move action trying to do that.
0: Yeah. And, like, the defender one is just someone hit you with an attack. Spend an action point. No, they didn't.
1: Yes. So, I mean, granted, these sound super powerful, but action points are a rare commodity, so they they do have a cost associated with them. You also get new abilities in the role as you're leveling up on even levels and class levels on odd levels. Mm-hmm. And selection is fairly straightforward. When you make a, a starting character, you'll be like, alright, well, I'm level 1, so I, I get my role action. That does start at level 1. I get my I get three or so of my at wills. Some of them get more or less depending on how complex that class is. Yeah. Like, for example, Archer gets four at wills, but that's because two of them are hyper specific and only do like support structures for their other attacks.
0: Yeah. You're like, oh, you get aim, which is essentially, I don't attack this round so that I have advantage next round.
1: Yeah. And flare, which is just a thing where you can set off, uh, you can reduce you shoot cover. a guy and be like,
0: you don't have cover. Now. Yeah.
1: But those two are really specific. So you just get two at wills that are just sort of attack strategies. Uh, you also get a couple of encounter powers. When you level up, You, if it's second level, you're getting roll actions. If it's odd level, you may be picking up new encounter powers. You're probably upgrading the at-wills. And so on and so forth. There's yeah. also a very short feat list. You get those at 3, 5, 7, and 1, I think. Yep. Uh, The feats are pretty straightforward. There are a few that have to be specified to uh, by character class as opposed to by uh, just generic yeah because there are they break them down
0: into like advantage defense quickness and then they have more like generic ones that are like those they have the ones that are sort of like pseudo uh
1: multi-classing yeah the ones are like oh I'm a little bit of a controller so I can take a controller's role action once per encounter that kind of thing
0: yeah and then they have the ones that are Class specific, where each class is like, well, not even each class, just some of them, because there aren't feats for every class. There are uh, role specific feats, and I think every role has a specific feat. For they do, it.
1: yeah. There's a like, it, they'll have a, a thing that kind of boosts their abilities, and there are others that correct for mistakes, like for or not mistakes, I should say, but but system uh, discrepancies. Like notably, a- the angel summoner class, all of its encounter powers summon an angel. They summon an angel, or not an angel, but a, a creature, and then a thing happens after you summon the creature. Uh, so the normal feat, reliable, which just adds the reliable rider from fighters in fourth edition DD, where you're like, hey, if your encounter power completely misses, you can try it again later. Yeah. Uh, it wouldn't work for a summoner because you'd be like, well, I already summoned the little creature. Now it's on the field. Do I get two? And the answer is no. You, you, when you have a reliable summoner, instead, you can try. if you fully miss, the creature still comes out, it still starts doing its passive benefits, and you retain the encounter power, and you can try the other part of it again later, as long as that creature is still around to be the, tar- the, uh, the epicenter of it.
0: Yeah, you just target your already summoned creature and go, okay, I'm going to use it on them again. I can't just like, retarget them.
1: Yeah, so it's just a quick fix. It's, it, it's fine. I, I can't get over just how much I appreciate the whole splitting of, of class and role. It's really smart. And like, you're right. Some of them really lend themselves, obviously, to, so like, striker slash harrier, where striker is, I do it's extra- duelist, by the way. Oh, duelist. I'm sorry. I, I, I'm i thinking of it as a harrier, because it describe use the word harry quite a lot. Yeah, its it has the harried condition yes. that it uses. Um, but the duelist is like, I pick you, and I'm going to fuck you up. Yep. Uh, but meanwhile, the striker is like, I do single target damage, and I do it very well. So you like, obviously, these two mesh. Or the blaster, which is, I do- Multi damage, and I turn a lot of my even my basic attacks into point blank AOE bursts and so on. And the Bombardier, where you're like, oh, obviously, all I want all my bursts to be I able want to hit to do lots. bombs that are bombs. Yeah. So obviously there are there are some some great synergies in there, but there's nothing stopping you, and you will not be making a worse character if you say things like, I'm a blaster leader. I throw down bombs and I multi heal throughout all of them. Yeah. If you want to be a Bombardier
0: leader, go for it. If you want to be like a summoner controller or you want to be whatever mm-hmm. it's all fine given that you don't have to worry about whether or not it like the role powers go with what you do given that you always have the you can do your role power essentially as another action during a turn most of them are encounters, so it's not like you're going to be doing more than like two or three the defender of course can mark people all the time Mm -hmm. but for a lot of the roles it's like i can heal someone once per encounter i can make someone move i can stop someone from moving that kind of thing but it's all you know sort of you're going to use these a couple times and then you're done yeah so you really lean on your class way more than your role most of the time so the role is just kind of like oh do you also want to do a little bit of whatever
1: yeah. Yeah. It's a, it, it's a really cleverly put together. I just, I really appreciate it. And also all of this is super easy to skin or reskin or even rewrite the powers just a little bit. If you need to, like I remember when we were doing the blimp leggers design, I was taking the shape changer class, which is all about turning into animals and saying, no, for, for me, this is a character from, I think the city was called Pitcairn, who has the locally, uh, uh like the, the locals all, uh, work on scrapping large vehicles, and they use robo-suits to do it. So you have a robo-suit that you can change from one of these forms to another one. Yeah. As you need to. And it was really easy to rebuild that and not have it hurt anything. Mm-hmm. So I'm a fan. I, I like this tactical engine.
0: Yeah. And uh, it's got the, like, uh, the end of it has the monsters that you can have in there. Which, Again, just super simple templates.
1: Yep. Mm-hmm. You can
0: do specific ones to be like, oh, these ones are like, examples of what you could do but mostly you just kind of go all right pick a type like this is a defender type a striker type whatever creature type it is it'll have sort of a generic these are the types of things it can normally do yeah uh you can try to do specialist ones where you're like oh this one's specifically a drainer so it'll like drain health off of you or whatever and then You can slap some things on there, so it'll have, like, oh, it's a mob, so there's a bunch of them, and it takes less damage from single target and more from multi-target and stuff like that.
1: And then because this game was a Kickstarter, uh, there is a section of additional monsters, like specific monsters as opposed to the templates, that were uh, supplied by Kickstarter backers. Mm. Um, They're hit or miss.
0: It's
1: not their fault. You know, their Kickstarters were or uh, backers working in an engine they may not have super skill or or, uh, or, or a lot of knowledge of yet. Uh, I don't personally find much, especially the the really, really, really big ones and the unfair monsters toward the back. I'm kind of like, I don't really see the point of these. I'm glad they're here to enumerate just how far this system can be taken, but uh, I don't necessarily find myself needing the page space for a Gorgon that works exactly the way the actual Medusa would. Huh. That's okay, though. That's a minor bit of an otherwise very good book. Yeah. So there you go. That's pretty much everything you'll find in here. And, uh, yeah, basically. I yeah. mean, it has, obviously there's a
0: GM section in there talking about running oh, yeah, the yeah, game. Yeah. Uh, there's, you know.
1: <clears throat> Good advice, too. A lot of uh very straightforward advice. So the uh, the commonly repeated mantra throughout this book is don't demand nonsense. Yep. Uh, you see that come up often where, you know, given how much narrative power is being placed in the hands of every player at the table, including the GM, um, you want to keep the game on an even keel and not say things like, well, uh, I demand that the because I have absolute narrative control for the next moment or two, I demand that the king remove his own head.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, you know, being like, look, when you do twists and you change narrative things, don't do the narrative change to just absolutely be like, anyway, I completely stop you from getting whatever your goal is on just a twist. Yeah. But it needs to change what's going on. If someone rolls a twist. Because most of the things in this are like, you're going to roll once and do that for like a scenario of things. Mm-hmm. Like it Instead of being like, I'm going to have you do 12 stealth rolls, you're going to do one. And if a twist happens, the twist should be weird. It should change the situation. Yes. So don't just be like, ah, oh, the twist is now a guard sees you. You're like, I guess, but it'd be more interesting if something else happened. Yes.
1: Yeah. So there you go. Uh, you want to get into your favorites and least favorites? Sure thing. What's your favorite thing about Strike? With an, with an exclamation mark! Strike. <laughs> That's right. Uh, strike factorial. I think is the, uh, the the mathematically what that means.
0: Yeah, it's mathematically what it. You know,
1: is. we already had that one game that had absolute values. Now we have one that uses factorials. <laughs> Finally. Uh huh. We did
0: it. Uh, I I mean I like a lot of things in this. Trying to say what my favorite thing in this is. I mean, I feel like I'm going to take yours, which is the, like, divorcing role from class. How
1: dare you, sir? It's fine. I got lots of things I like oh, about I this. You'll be fine.
0: But it is one of the things that I'm like, I I really love the idea of just being like, no, man, if you want to play a type of role, just add that on to whatever you're doing. Because a lot of times, you know, when you were looking at 4th Ed, you'd be like, man, I really wish there was like... uh a primal controller that was any
1: good or a whatever. Yo, yeah. A Marshall controller is the one that just isn't even there.
0: Yeah. And so being able to go like, Oh, if I want to be a duelist controller, that's like, I pick a guy and I'm like, I lock your ass down. Yeah. It's you and me? Yeah. I'm like, that's cool.
1: Yeah. That's a cool idea. Cause it works perfectly fine on like a boss. For example, you'd be like, look, dude, you're not moving and
0: you're weak. And even if you're like, Oh, I'm a duelist. And I use my control powers to stop people from interfering with the duel. So it's like, I'm fighting a guy. Someone else runs up to me and, and I use my controller power to be like, no, you don't move. You stay right where you were. I throw a dagger into your boot and go, I'll get to you in a minute. <laughs> yeah,
1: you pin him to the wall or something. <laughs> Next. Next. <laughs> <laughs> you are on the to-do list, but you aren't at the top. I said take a number. <laughs> yeah. So. Also, by the way, boss monsters and so on in this game just flat out get more move actions and more actions during their turns. And they an initiative in this game is straight up roll a D6. That's it. Yep. Uh, monsters go, uh, Boss monsters go on initiative seven, and then also some other initiatives. Yeah. That's how they fix the whole, like, you're going to pile drive the monster and stun it into oblivion and never actually have to deal with it problem, which does arrive from so, for solos in fourth edition D&D.
0: And uh, monsters do win ties on that D6. Yes. So... Players
1: decide whatever they want to do. Yeah. Uh,
0: If like two players get a three, you can just go, all right, pick who goes first. Mm -hmm. But with monsters, monsters always get the initiative on ties.
1: Yeah. So there's a couple different things to help them out.
0: Yep. There you go. The the divorcing of role from class is fun. It lets you do a little more mix and match stuff. And I appreciate that.
1: Yeah. What is your favorite thing? I'm going to say another divorce. I think the divorce was the right thing for this book. Sometimes yeah. sometimes things just don't work out, but the important sometimes thing... was you listen, fall out of love. Look, listeners, the important thing to know is that it's not your fault it, that our favorite thing is... is I mean, it divor- probably is. It's probably... it's probably Yeah, you know, when you're like an adult, we'll tell you that it was definitely your fault.
0: I mean, it definitely was.
1: Yeah, but not... You we, didn't help. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I, I think the uh, divorcing the uh, classes from story structure of the game is really, really clever as well, because it lets them just be purely about what kind of mechanical thing they wreak on the battlefield, and really lets it dive in and make every pa- piece of them about that. You know, you, a paladin in 4th edition is a tank. That's the point of them. They're a defender role. Yep. Uh, they're And they're uh divine source, so they have some divine powers as well. But also, they've got some legacy cruft that just, because they're paladins, you know, they just got some moves that paladins do, like they can create, consecrate the ground or something, and it doesn't do anything that's necessarily related to either of those other two ro- the things I just said. And here, it's like, no, if you pick... Uh, Archer, everything about Archer is is targeted towards ranged battlefield management. Yep. And that means it can be very straightforward and it can be whatever you need it to be, which I, I think is great. So mm-hmm. I'm going to say that's more. It also opens up for classes that you would not know, like the bombardier. You would not normally see that. Yeah. Uh, unless you had a really calm. You're like, oh, I made a mad bomber class for D&D. And all it does, it, it it's what bombs at midnight.
0: Uh, oh, the midnight bomber.
1: Yeah. um, But. But here, because they are all about what they do to the battlefield, they can be very specific and very uh the explored. Yeah. So I'm a fan of that. There you go. What's your least favorite thing?
0: It's gotta be the team conflict
1: thing. Because mm. yeah. it is
0: utterly forgettable in here.
1: Not doing much for you.
0: It just because it is either it feels like you're gonna be at this for a while, just grinding away at like, God damn it, can we please? just finish this or you have those situations where it just automatically ends and it feels anticlimactic like it's hard to control at least with the chase one they're like oh if you're right about to catch someone the runners have the advantage if the runners are about to get away the chasers have the advantage because we want it to not just be oh and then you immediately get caught or you immediately get away right so at least there's
1: some play there but not enough kid, though. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I'm here to you yeah. get it. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> we're simpatico on this one.
0: Look, I've got this house party, and there's way too much kid here and not enough play.
1: And I've got this peanut butter with no play in it, but too much kid. Or <laughs> where's this
0: kid in my peanut butter? There's
1: <laughs> always a kid in peanut butter.
0: Yeah, it's true. Yeah. If you got peanut butter. There's a kid in there. Watch yeah. out. <laughs>
1: and if you got a kid there's peanut butter in there yep (laughs) watch out (laughs) but yeah the
0: the team conflict resolution is a we it feels like a weird experiment and a like like a stopgap of i want to give something for people who don't like tactical combat but still want to have a multiple role system yeah but it doesn't feel like it's appealing to enough people to like really make its page count worth it yeah that's fair There you go yeah what is your least favorite
1: i'm more or less just gonna have to agree with you on this one i i'm also not the biggest fan of the gear section yeah i mean it makes sense and you know it does it says like hey none of these are going to add damage none of these are going to add defense they're all immensely powerful however because they let you ignore skills in certain ways But to me, it's not quite described enough where I understand how to interact with it and the expectations of it and the power level and and how how much is too much. Mm -hmm. Uh, I wish there was just a little more grit there. But other than that, that's a minor issue, and I'm more or less going to agree with you that I feel like the resolving group conflict system uh, just didn't grab me. Yeah. So there you go. All right. And that's fine. It was an optional module that felt like it was, like you said, feels like an experiment. Yep. Would you play this again, I guess? Yeah, sure. I would I would give
0: this another go. It's the whole take two things, smash them together, and figure out how they work together aspect of the class role is fun no matter what. Even yeah. if someone sucks at running the game, you're like, yeah, but I'm going to fuck around with this shit and see what happens.
1: Yeah, makes sense. So would you? Yeah, in fact, I, every time I read through this, I get a hunger to open up my extremely ancient uh, Google Doc files and finish up my, my Blimplegger stuff I'd been working on. Yeah. Which is nowhere near done. Just, no. I have like three of the classes done. Yeah, well. It would be a long, hard bit of work.
0: Yeah, Mike's long, hard bit
1: of work. Uh-huh. <laughs> I think that's what it's called in Great Britain. Uh-huh. Yeah.
0: I'd like uh, Mike's long, hard bit of work.
1: <laughs> P's a <and> no. <laughs> Everything comes with P's and no. <laughs> They're so mushy. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. So uh, so there you go. If you would like to hear us make characters in this game, which is an involved process because it's basically like making two characters in two games and saying they're the same character, uh, then by all means, head on over to our Patreon. Patreon.com slash System Mastery where if you support us at the $2 per month level, you'll unlock what we call bonus content because we were very unimaginative that day. <laughs> where we make characters in the game we just reviewed. Uh, we also will give you in exchange for your $2, access to all of the archives of bonus content episodes, so that's like 200 and some of them, uh, plus ad-free, single RSS access to every single one of our other shows. So your System Mastery, your Movie Mastery, your Expounded Universe, all on a single convenient RSS feed where we don't have to play those awful megaphone ads. That's right. If, if you're,
0: honestly, even if you have no interest in the bonus content, which you should, because it's great. It's good stuff. The getting rid of ads for $2 a month is like, God, that's so fucking good.
1: It's great. And you know, we're, we, we don't like ads either. I'm an avid podcast listener. I'm right there with you. And it, it, it hurts every time I, I'm, li- I'm reading some thread and people are like, you know what the wh- fucking worst thing in the world is? Podcast ads. What the fuck is wrong with people? I didn't push, start your show to listen to ads. And I'm like, dude, it's a job. Money's I was like money. Yeah, gotta did come you from, also pay for that thing you downloaded? Yeah. No? Well, there you go. I feel, I feel like it, for I don't know why this is an okay thing to say and not like you know what I fucking hate when McDonald's charges you for food. That shit should be free. <laughs> I came in there for a burger, not to pay for it. Yeah, I get it. You're right. Socialism would rule. <laughs> It'd be great if I could just get a burger whenever I wanted. Yeah, I I, 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 but I'm right there with you. I feel like ads suck, and so we wanted to make our ad system entirely voluntary you can buy your way out of it and wouldn't you rather that money just go straight to us than to spotify to maybe give to Sealy or whoever whatever company cap- oh yeah why not just give it straight to us and, and also to patreon there's no way that no fucking capitalist doesn't get their fucking beak wet yep but uh you know why, this way we get more of it yeah we get more of our grubby and, little hands and you don't have to listen to a bunch of commercials yeah it's great for everybody so you know help us out we'll help you out in turn Oh, we'll help you out. Mm -hmm. If you ever need a little something, you know. Yeah, you just call out our name. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, we'll be there. We'll we'll be there whenever you need us. Uh Uh-huh. All right, thank you so much for listening. We'll see you again real soon. Oh, by the way, there's other levels you can support us at. You'll figure it out. Just go to the Patreon. I believe in you. You're smart. (laughs) You're a good boy. You're good. You can do this. The divorce wasn't your fault. Good night.